Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed, and uh, as always, I'm joined by my lovely wife, Rochelle. Rochelle, you doing all right today? I'm doing okay. All right. I'm hanging in there. You're hanging in there? It's getting cold outside. Yeah. Cold, uh, cold for us. Heck, yeah. I think it's like 51 this morning. Put Michael on the bus early. Man, I loved it. I just stood out there and just enjoyed it <laughs> for about 10 minutes. And you let him leave his jacket. He didn't need it. He said he was busy. He, he was, it's spirit day. This is homecoming week. I think we're going to try to go to the Hernando homecoming football game tonight. Michael's been begging to go. And I said, well, we'll take him to the homecoming game. We went to the parade last night. And you know what? They put on a really good um, parade for the Hernando homecoming. It was awesome. Our floats, when we were in high school, our homecoming floats were terrible. These kids really, you know. I mean, they put the, yeah, every class had a really in-depth. In, in yeah. Like, they worked on those things. They had costumes and fog machines and. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I was impressed. Themes. You know, since we've only lived in Hernando, was this our third year? Yeah. And we've been to the Christmas parade the past two years. They have an awesome Christmas parade. And this is our first homecoming parade because I guess Michael's just getting old enough to care. and He's in yeah. third grade. but No, second grade, right? No, what's no, he in third, third grade? grade. <laughs> yeah. Man, hey, it goes by so fast. But anyway, he's into the whole Hernando spirit thing. So, And they had a big yeah. time at the parade. He got all kinds of candy they were throwing out last night and acting like maniacs and I was I was uh, surprised by how many adults were running out there picking up candy. <laughs> I always am. Yeah, yeah the I was like, man, come on, always. man, this is just like bank candy. You know, they're throwing out tootsie rolls and suckers and stuff. Well, today, um, before we really get started, I thought we'd talk about OBR. Yeah, um, I know everybody's seen the the hurricane damage down on the coast in Florida and Panama City, that, that area. Uh, big destina- big vacation destination for a lot of people, not only in the south. People come from all over that region, and it was devastated by Hurricane Michael this uh, past week. <clears throat> and for those of you that don't know, OBR, Operation Barbecue Relief, is um, it's kind of a, it's a, well, it is an organization that goes out and they help people in, in times of disaster. They and Yeah, they provide meals. foods for not only the people that are, that are displaced, displaced but yeah. but also all the people going down there to work and to help First them rebuild and yeah. yeah I mean it's a, it's a good thing that barbecue people are the barbecue families doing it got started uh, in Joplin Missouri because one of the um, got, that area got hit by a tornado years ago devastated that whole town it pretty much wiped it off the map and there's some barbecue guys that live close up there and you know they they wanted to help in some way but that you know being barbecue people wanted to help they didn't really know what to do so what they did they loaded up all their grills and they went over and they just started cooking. They didn't have a plan. They didn't know what they were doing. They just knew that people needed a hot meal. And being, you know, being barbecue people just want to help. And so that's kind of how that organization got started. And it's really turned into uh, just a, um, a... It's nationwide now. Oh, yeah. It's nationwide. There's, there's you know, people that volunteer. And it's totally volunteers and donations. Yeah. That's all it is. So they they really need your help. You can go to obr.org and find out more info it on Operation it. Barbecue yeah, when you put in obr.org, it'll automatically it'll put that too. in there okay. and take it to it. But um, there's there's places if you want to volunteer, you can sign up to be a volunteer. You can donate. You can help them out with goods. Whatever you can do, it's a great 
um, a great cause, and it's just barbecue people helping yeah, last, people in need. Last weekend, someone told us that their coffers were kind of low after the storm in on North the East Carolina, Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean, you know, they're, now they're fixing to poison. They always. They're on the way if they're not there. I think I, I saw actually, I was on Facebook this morning, uh, just kind of checking, see what's going on. And I saw, you know, some people posting. They were already set up, some local people set up and started cooking and helping out. So yeah. thanks to everybody down there on deployment. Thanks for everybody uh, volunteering and donating. It's, you know, it's, it's for a good cause. And, and, you know, when anything you help them do is going back to people in need. And I can't imagine going through something like that. I mean, it would be just horrendous, you know, when you have, when you lose everything. And it's totally out of your hands. So, you know, anytime you can help out, it's good. That's just like, we just want to get the word out before we get started <laughs> <Yeah>. today. <laughs> bring you down real good. <clears throat> yeah. So let's bring it back up, right? What are we talking uh, Let's um, see. I'll tell you what. When we got home Monday, there was a big box of knives on the front porch. Man. A big box. Oh, it was like Christmas for me. I'm, You know, I'm a knife freak. I love a good knife. And we got to um, thank David from Dalstrom. Dalstrom, nice. Um, I actually got to speak with him. It was just a week ago before we went to the SCA championship, and they contacted me. Um, you know, they've been, I guess, it, you know, he's been watching videos and stuff and seeing that I use nice and wanted to know if I was interested in, you know, in trying out some of their nice. He said they've got some really good ones. I didn't know a whole lot about them. I did know that, uh, Shane Draper, always, I've heard him talk about those Dallas from Nice and how good they are. He'll post up when there's a good value of them. You can get them on Amazon. And I was like, man, sure, yeah, I'd love to try Nice. When am I going to turn down a free knife? And so, <laughs> Especially a nice yeah. knife. So he asked me what kind I needed, and I said, man, you know, I, I use like that Dexter Russell slicer. I have some everyday knives that I use all the time. Those are banger knives. Yeah, they're, yeah they're, they are. They're nice that I don't care if they get beat up, they're if Dexter I lose Russell's, them. Yeah. They're, you know, $15, $20 nice. Some of them, you know, the, the slicer nice a little more expensive, but they're still not break the bank nice. Yeah. Well, these these Dowstring nice are like upper level nice. $200 for a slicer. Yeah, yeah, some of them are like $150, $129. The filet nice like $100. These are nice you want to take care of. Yeah. And man, to my surprise, he, you know, I just told him what I use, the fillet knife, a boning knife, a slicer knife, and I like a good cleaver. They sent me like, I don't Actually, know, you, you it's don't over have a, dozen. a good cleaver uh, no. until Monday. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I don't. Yeah, I, the cleaver older. I had was just a, a, I think it came from like Walmart or Kroger mm-hmm. or somewhere. And I don't use it all the time just because I don't really have a good one. But now I do because he sent me two or three. It was over a dozen, I think. I didn't yeah. count them all because I still hadn't opened all of them. When I started opening, I was like, oh, man, this is amazing. <laughs> I just wanted to hold them and look. I mean, I know it's crazy. I don't know why I like knives. I don't, I don't play with knives. I use them. I just think they're cool. And I like having good knives. And so I'm excited about using I actually broke one out and let he slice some ribs in the video we did this week. Mm-hmm. And, man, and I so he cut up one slab. And when we were through filming it and all like that. It like the shun to me, that, the brisket slicer. It's just about identical to the shun I have. It's a Japanese steel knife. I mean, it's heavy. It feels good in, you know, feels good in your hands. Um, they come with some cool sheaths, too. I like that. But yeah, their sheaths are plastic, which I actually plastic. like. Yeah. I like it better than the wood because it's not going to hook you. What did I tell you about the wood? The wood it can absorb stuff. moisture yeah, and it water can be bad. Yeah. And rust it. I yeah. mean, so these, you don't have to worry about that with that yeah. plastic. But um, they're, I'm gonna they're be, not going to tear up. Those sheaths are not going to tear up. I'm going to be and checking they're them vented. out. The, the sheaths were vented a little to bit. To let some air out yeah. and let some moisture out if mm-hmm. you did put them up. I don't, I've tried not to put them up dry. But um, You mean to put them up wet? Yeah, yeah, wet. Yeah, put, what am I saying? Well, put, when I washed that one the other day, I laid it on the towel and just... 
let it hang out for a little while. Because, you know, even though you wipe it with a, a rag, you just need to let it hang out on the counter for an hour and make sure it's really dry. Yeah, that's what, that's what I always try to do. When we mm-hmm. hand wash them all, don't throw them in a the dishwasher. Yeah. But I'm excited about trying out these knives. And you'll probably see me using some of them in my videos. I mean, I'm not going to grab them all the time because I don't want to tear them up. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure about how to sharpen. They come razor freaking sharp. I mean, well, they how are, do you sharpen your shine? Aren't you supposed to mail it in or something? You're supposed to just keep it kind of honed. And then, yeah, once a year you can mail them back to them and they'll sharp, resharpen them. Well, what's the difference but, between honing and sharpening? Sharpening puts a new edge on it. Okay. Honing just kind of keeps it true. As a knife edge, as you use it, the more you use it, it wants to roll over. You know, when you when you when it, when it's got a good cutting edge on it, if you can see it under a microscope, it's all these little jagged pieces that actually create the cutting action. But over time, and they're you know they're kind of honed to a fine point, and then over time, that point wants to lay over. Think of a piece of paper kind of folded over mm-hmm. on itself, and the hone just straightens that back out. So you can do that, you know, just with a steel rod or diamond rod. But to actually cut a new edge or to get that edge back on it, you have to have you have to get a certain angle, put it on you know different well, kind of stones. Can you or, hone it with one of those um, you know those ceramic? It's those two ceramic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, that three and one system. Yeah, those those would do it for sure. Yeah. Like the Lansky system or the Croc sticks. Yes, they will. You have to watch using two cores of one on it because it's going you know cut an edge on it too. There was one but, uh, super crazy looking um, cleaver in there. The Reapers. What is it? it was called the Re- <laughs> Go to Amazon and check that knife out. It's, uh, what is it, the Dalstrom? It's called the Reaper. I forget what collection it is, but you can just type in Reaper. It's like Reaper Cleaver. Cleaver. Yeah. Man, it's, it's, it would it, hurt somebody. Man, I'd hate to walk around a corner and somebody swing that at me. It got it's got the, a sharp point. Cut you through the bone. Yes. It's got a sharp point. It's like a, um, what knife do you use to get through the bush? A machete. <laughs> yeah, it's like a machete and a cleaver in one. Yeah, it, it, it's a heck of a tool. I, you know, I don't have to practice using some of those. What was really cool, they sent, um, one, it's like a, have you seen the Chinese chef knife? It's, it looks kind of like uh-huh. a cleaver, but it's super sharp. It's kind of square, you know. Yeah. It looks like the same shape as a cleaver. Well, that's a lot of what those Japanese chefs use. And they sent me one of them. I'm, it's like they use them for cutting vegetables. They use them for cutting everything. But I, no, I didn't see that one. I'll have to go look at it. Check that. I hadn't, I hadn't. I mean, I opened that up and looked at it and held it, but I hadn't cut anything with it. I I, look, I just because you had them sitting on the table, and I looked at a few of them, and I was like, man, this this is awesome. Michael was <laughs> in there getting with me, wanting to open them, and I was like, man, you gotta be careful. You know, I was telling him all this, how to handle them. And I was like, you can't just go tearing into these, man. These will hurt you. So this week, um, Heath Riles came. Um, on Tuesday, and we shot footage. He pretty much gave his competition rib recipe. Yeah, man. Hey, I was all ears on that mm-hmm. one. Um, it's one of those we've been trying. You know, we've been trying to work in a few guest appearances on yeah. some of the videos where I can learn something, and I really learned something this time because Heath is what is he's won the MBN, which is the Memphis Barbecue Network rib team of the year the past four years in a row and he's got the lead right now for five years in a row okay. that's amazing yeah so to win to be that dominant on the, on the nbn circuit and ribs man it's that's awesome yeah and he shared the recipe that he does now the one thing that's different <clears throat> in nbn contest 
he they always cook loin back baby back ribs you know that's that's just a memphis thing and around that area that's what all the you know judges look for but in the kcbs side he takes the same recipe and just does it with st louis cut ribs and me personally if i'm gonna eat rib i want to eat a st louis cut i like rib. a baby back yeah. i, I mean really i like them both but a baby back is short and chunky and yeah <laughs> I don't know. I just like the. It seems like there's more fat. Yeah, in there that, is. In that St. Louis cut rib, and that fat is flavor. Um, but so Heath came in and. Would you cook them the same? Would you use his same method and not change anything if you were going to swap out baby backs for for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exact same. I mean, same seasoning, same everything, and that's what I was more talking know. time. Than <clears> so yeah, I knew that you know he's got some awesome products, and we actually sell some of his products in our store, and they sell really well. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to see, and I mean, just what he was doing in a contest, how he was using those different flavors of his rubs to come up with that unique taste. Because, you know, he says it in the video, flavor is what wins contest. And he's figured out a way to layer like his jalapeno garlic rub with his pecan, with his honey rub, and then top it with that sweet rub at the end. And all of it, you think, man, this is going to be so overpowering. It's going to be so seasoned, you're not going to taste anything. That wasn't the case at mm-hmm. all. It was very those. I, I was I was kind of smooth. smooth. Yeah, that's that's the best way to put it. I was how fact, I wouldn't say mild, yeah. but it was smooth. I was like, man, this is going to clash. He's put, you know, that's a lot of rub. <laughs> yeah, I don't, th- you know, in contests, I don't know if I'm putting enough rub now. Yeah, because I usually I've been one of those <laughs> where I want to pull back. But that's just the way I like to eat them. And you know, I tell people when I do classes, you can't cook stuff that you like to eat. You have to do. Uh, what the judges, you know, you have to give them that one, that perfect bite. And so automatically, I mean, it's, you know, you think it's kicked up, but it's, it wasn't that kicked up. No, the, the flavor wasn't at all. In fact, um, it was, it was smooth. That's it, the yeah. best way to describe it. It was a smooth transition flavor. It made you want to eat some more of them. And it brought out the richness in that Cheshire port that he used. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I see why he's winning with yeah. it. Because you got to be was, careful what you choose when you start layering, though. You don't want them to clash because if you put too much of two different things, you know, uh, I've had ribs before that do clash. Oh yeah, it's still. We, yeah. Well, you know, one so thing you have to be careful when you're. So layering in like his that. wrap, he come up with that butter bath product, yeah. and it kind of takes the place of using the butter, the brown sugar, the honey, the you know the the. Uh, What's the one we always used to put in there? Tiger sauce. That's just been like a traditional comp rib for a while. Well, he took those elements and in put it like in a dry form and then reconstituted that with apple juice. So he's adding way more moisture than I ever would in the wrap. Yeah. And that's got to be toning some of that flavor down some. But what it also does that's is it true, lets him control true. it. He's putting a precise amount. Like when he says three quarters of a cup, he's got a recipe that he's mixing up that, that uh, butter bath to and I'm... I think it was four ounces of butter bath. We didn't say it in the video, but I'm pretty sure when I watched him, it was like four ounces of butter bath to eight ounces of apple juice. And then he used, or was it two cups of apple juice? I think it was two cups. It was a pretty good bit. Yeah. It's on the package, he said. Yeah. And then he used three quarters of a cup in the wrap. Well, he's worked it out where he knows, that, you know, how, how much it's of those a, ingredients. Yeah. It's a It's a proven amount that's going in every rack. There's no... You know, when we squeeze butter, I just squeeze butter. And I just grab brown sugar and throw it in. And I just drizzle honey. It's not controlled. I don't, I'm don't. i not measuring out a tablespoon of honey or whatever, you know. And so I do like that aspect of it. But I also think having that much liquid in there, um, you know, tones some of that rub down too. And he gets it back That's by putting true. a little bit of that sweet rub on the back end and then glazing it. So One thing um, I learned and, and I thought 
was pretty good is when he pulled his ribs out of that wrap, they were the prettiest ribs I've seen come out of a wrap. Because yeah. usually after... They're nuked. You, yeah, they're nuked. They're a little meaty, you know, that bold meat looking yeah, color. Yeah, but yeah. his ribs are cherry red. And I think it's because he he went heavy on those rubs and then let it tack up. That was one of the biggest tips I got. Yeah. From, okay, so you, I'll always say cook the color. When those ribs look right and have a good color... They're done, but the, if you notice when you watch that video, he talks about being able to touch that rib and make sure those seasonings have cooked into the meat. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not wet anymore. It's it's they're sticking to off, it yeah. because when you put them in that wrap and they're not adhered to the meat like that, it's all going to wash off and you're going to lose it. But his stayed on there, so it kept that color. Yeah, and that was that was a really really good tip. Yeah, if you're going that heavy with uh, with rubs, you need to make sure that oh, that's yeah. how you need to decide when you're going to wrap. Another thing that he did <clears throat> that I thought was was really good information was when he put the ribs on the grill instead of just throwing them on the grill and trying to straighten them up, he kind of bunched them mm-hmm. up, and that made sense to me mm-hmm. because especially in in a St. Louis ribs. You're straightening any curve out of those ribs. So when you push them together, if that bone was spread out and curved a little, it's it's straightening that up. But it's also pushing that meat up and making it cook taller. That way, when you slice them, you've got a better bite um, for the judge. So I thought that was a really good tip. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I try to do that. I try to make sure I do that when I put ribs on the grill and want them always straight. Because they are, if you put them on crooked, they're going to cook crooked. But... But bunching them up like that is, you know, that, that's going to change your comp game for sure. And, you know, one thing, um, you know, it always takes us a few tries to figure something out, you know. But this um, video, I thought that we were kind of figuring out this whole guest pitmaster thing. Yeah. Because with you and Heath, y'all were almost comparing notes, you know. And it was a lot more, you might not use Heath's exact recipe, but if you watch that video, you're going to learn a lot about, you know, different and you can take it and apply it to you know your your methods so i really like that you two were comparing notes aspect of it and that might be you know how we do these guest pitmasters yeah well you know i I come up with that idea to do this because i want because i really do want to learn especially if i can can trick some of these guys into doing comp stuff (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm getting a one-on-one class with them I, wanna, I need to get Darren on there. Because like, hey, <laughs> it's one thing to say, what are you doing? It's another yeah. thing for them to come to their house and actually cook it. And right, show right. Them, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like you said, I could take that and take, take our rubs and seasonings and, mm-hmm. and, you know, or somebody else's and, and come up with some good results as long as I apply some of that technique. Exactly. And it's really about that technique. Yeah. I mean, as far as a grill goes, man, we could have cooked those on, on any grill. It didn't have to be that Traeger. Mm-hmm. They would have cooked fine on the drum. They would have cooked great on the old hickory. Uh, whatever grill you wanted to cook them on. What does Heath usually use in comps? For I think he cooks his ribs on old hickory. It's a um, the eight. I think it's a HBP. BP. Yeah, I think I don't think it might be an MM. I'm not sure. And he cooked them at a higher temp. Two seventy five, yeah. and see that's another good one. So I've always been cooking ribs around two fifty. Sometimes I'll bump them up when I'm on the drum. But what that does at two seventy five is it's it's still not hot and fast. I mean, it's right on the upper end of low and slow. But it's a high enough temp where you're really rendering that fat and you're cooking it. You're cooking that fat out and getting that flavor from the fat without risking having that uh, hot, that pockets of fat in there that could could kill you and judge it. Now, I mean, low and slow ribs are good, but you know, it takes a long time to do them like that. So his, these ribs were what, 220 and then about an hour and a wrap for one. And so that was 320. They were, they were done in less than four hours. It's probably three hours, 45 minutes total. And there was one slab that was a pretty meaty slab. You know? It took it about 20 minutes longer in the wrap. Yeah. But see, he finished them out. 
that was that was what was interesting to me. He used a thermopin. I usually never thermopin ribs. I just I go by the way the bones look, the drawback, the disintegration on the back. If I can twist the bone a little bit, those are my telltale signs. But Heath was using the thermopin, and if I had to guess, I would say ribs were done about one ninety eight to two hundred two. You know, just like a pork butt would be. But he was looking for two hundred four to two hundred eight, two hundred nine. Yeah. So it was it was a little higher, or was a lot higher than I thought it would be. And um, you know what? Those ribs weren't overcooked no that one did you i mean what was now at the very end when he picked them up and was waving them and all that he actually does i I saw him do that in murfreesboro like a present on his presentation yeah with the presentation because in the nbn side of things you actually it was another contest because but But anyway he picks them up waves (laughs) in the nbn side of things you have uh judges actually come to your booth and sit down at a table with them and you give them a 15 minute presentation when you make finals yeah. yeah and memphis in may you get three judges that's right. But um, so you actually have a judge there, and you have to kind of give a little spiel and a presentation, do a little salesmanship, and when that's can, part of his. When, and that was cool. When you can pick a slab of ribs up like that and wave them and have faith that they're not going to fall apart, and, and know that when you cut them, them and, and you get that perfect, <laughs> yeah, you get that perfect bite, and it lets go of the bone. Man, they, I mean, how can they not know you cooked them right? Yeah. So I get that, and now I mean everybody's gonna be trying to wave the ribs. <laughs> <laughs> you better, yeah, hit that temp right. Yeah, so you better hit it right. That that was a, I would say that was a competition tenderness level rib. But what if you wanted something like you're just eating at home? You want a a little more tender rib. You want a little more falling off the bone. Yeah. What temp do you think you'd take them to then? Well, I'd have to guess that. I mean, now this was yeah, but see, I would say this too. That's those Cheshire ribs, those yeah. heritage ribs. So they have a lot more fat content. A supermarket rib, just a regular, so if you go to Sam's or Walmart or anywhere like that and yeah. just get some regular ribs, I don't think you're going to have to take them there as far. But I still think that 206 is a good number, mm-hmm. f- you know, for them. But what I'd like to do with ribs is like when we take them off and, and before you, um, right before we glaze them, I like to hold them about an hour. And so that's going to let them loosen up a little more too. But, you know, honestly, and I, honestly, I don't know if we can pick too. our ribs up and, and, and do that to them. I've always, you know, we've always, or me and Waylon, when we move ribs around, we're always gentle with them and scared to pick them up too much, trying to handle them as least as possible. Because, I mean, we take them, they're pretty tender. And now, don't don't think, I, I'm not going to try it at a comp. Next time I cook ribs at the house, I'll be waving every round. <laughs> <laughs> I can do to it say. too, yeah. Um, he did the double wrapping, which now, that's, that's something you <clears throat> That's a great tip, and I, I've been doing that. Um, I always try to do that on ribs. Uh, because as those bones draw back, as you render them down, they'll want to po- poke through your full. And if they Especially do, since that heavy duty full isn't as heavy duty as, as it, it used to be. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, that that prevents it having a double layer on them. It makes it less likely to, to poke. If it pokes through and you lose all your juice and you're losing your heat, they're not going to cook good, and you're going to have a mess in your grill. Mm-hmm. So that double wrap, uh, double wrapping the ribs is a, is a great idea. And I highly suggest that. Um. Man, there was just some good information in that mm-hmm. video. There was. I thought there was a lot of good information. Um, I like when somebody comes on and teaches me something that I don't know, or, or you know, if I can pick up on one. It's like taking a barbecue class. If I can pick up on one tip, it was worth my money, worth my time to go. So yeah. I felt like, man, I got three or four just on a little rib, a comp rib video. I was like, man, that's good. And those two slabs. I hope that video does work. Granted, it was it was the three of us and Jamie, and then we had another guest stop by. Michael ate a few when he got off the yeah. bus. <laughs> so that was you know five or six people, but those two slabs were gone. By yeah, the, yeah. there's a couple buns left the next day. Oh, there I think, was. Yeah, I, think, I thought Michael finished them up. No, there was there was a couple buns left. 
in the fridge. I think they're, they're not still there. there anymore. Oh, are they're they? not. Michael might have been, <laughs> <laughs> been breakfast. We didn't know. They were good. They're really good ribs. They were. They're very good. Um, so he used uh, St. Louis spares, but like y'all said in the MBN side of things, he always uses baby backs or all y'all use baby backs. So I thought we'd talk a little bit about, you know, the difference between the spares and the baby backs. Well, you know, the the main difference is where they come off the, the hog. Um, the spares are your bigger ribs that are lower on the rib cage that kind of come around and down around the belly. The loinback ribs, come, they call them that because they're right on top of the loin. If you've ever ate a pork chop, you've ate a loinback rib. And it's, loinback and baby back. Yeah, it's the same thing, yeah. same and thing. And spares yeah. and St. Louis are the same thing. Same thing. They just take that uh, breastplate, kind so of the rib tip. interchangeably. Yeah, they, use, they cut the tips off to make the St. Louis cut. But it's one, it's actually the same so rib. The rib. So what's the rib So a spare rib like and a loinback ribs, all the same rib. It's just where they're cut in half. If you was to cut it out, it would be one giant big rib that you know that comes from the backbone all the way around to the breastplate. And the tips are what's hanging at the bottom. Yeah, that's the, that's yeah. kind of that breastplate area yeah. where they come together and all that. That's where all that's held. A lot of collagen. Yeah, and they split that during process, and they always split the belly. That's how they you know you get a hog; it's split all the way down. So it's been split right down that breastplate, creating two racks of ribs, and then they're attached at the top up at the spine. And so what they do, they come in about halfway up the rib. You know, the spare ribs are a little wider, and as they go up, they start getting thinner. Well, they split them about halfway to create the spare rib, and then they leave the loin rib up at the top, um, right underneath the loin. Mm-hmm. And so it's different because, you know, you got a lot of, in, in that belly area, you got a lot, uh, it's more meat. Um, there's more fat in that area. You know, there's, it, it hadn't worked very hard. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the same thing with the loin back. It's real, they're leaner mm-hmm. because you think of the loin, it's a lean muscle that's along the back. Really super tender, but it's real lean. So they have different flavors. The main difference is the size. Loin ribs are smaller. You usually see them about, I think they say about 2.75 and down. It's, you know, I guess some, there is some big holes. That's pounds. Yeah, yeah that means pounds. Rack. Yeah, per rack. That's yeah. usually how they trim out. So you're looking two and a half pounds, two and three quarter pounds, something like that. Well, spare ribs are usually like three pounds and up. That's how they are. So they're bigger and you got more meat. Um, times are different cooking them because, you know, just something smaller is going to cook a little bit faster. And so that was when Heath was talking about, he, he goes two hours. Usually it's like two hours at 275 to get the rub locked in on a loin rib and then about an hour in the wrap you better be checking them and most of the time your loin ribs are going to be done it's very rare unless you've got some that where they've really a big set of loin back ribs or some they've left a lot of that loin attached to it sometimes you'll get some that'll have you know two inches of loin meat on top or in process and they got too deep in that loin and those will take longer um so we say in the competition we don't like to cook those with a lot of that loin top loin because it's two different textures and it'll make them fall apart. You know, that, that meat will dry out. The loin meat will dry out before you get the rib meat in between the bones done. Mm-hmm. So I like them to be pretty even. And I'm sure he's the same way. Like, they like the slabs to be even in height all the way down. Um, you know, one thing that I thought <clears throat> he showed really well in the video was he didn't go. I mean, times were the guideline. And, but then he had a rule of thumb that he stuck to. You yeah, know? and that and that was like making sure that seasoning yeah, adheres to the meat. Yeah, and then when uh, that's done, then you wrap Verified it. temperatures in yeah. the wrap, yeah. If it's not there, don't pull it off. And I didn't ask him if he's temping loin back ribs, if he's going to the same temps or not. That's a good I question, bet, though. What yeah. temp are you taking loin back? Yeah, to? I'd like to know. I bet he's temping them, though. 
message and ask him. Yeah. I bet he is, though. I bet he's throwing up right now. Shoot him a message right now and text him. All right. <laughs> See if he'll answer me. What time is it? It's like um, early in the 8.30. 8.30. Yeah, I'll wake up. He better be up. Hey, barbecue <laughs> man's supposed to be up at 8.30, right? He's um, right. Hold on. It's going to take me just a second. Okay. I'll um, look at my questions. I try to What's jot down a few questions to ask Malcolm. Why, why is it that you only turn in spares in KCBS and only turn in baby backs in MBN? Well, and I know y'all swap a little bit here and there depending on the contest. It's regional know? for me. Um, in the Memphis area, it's always been loin back rib, baby back ribs, as long as I've been cooking. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody well, cooks. Well, do they, MBN's still pretty big in Georgia. Are they cooking? Uh, they're, well, they're mainly they're cooking loin backs over yeah. there, too. Wherever it's influenced by that Memphis area, that Memphis style of judging, the Memphis and May network, you know, started out Memphis and May network, all that was started being influenced by baby back ribs. It was just what the, the norm moved to. Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, I remember back in the day, you didn't even see uh, St. Louis cut no. ribs in the area. You could see whole spare ribs. I remember, you, I mean, this has been years ago when y'all first started, because y'all cooked MBN for the longest time, and then you first started switching to KCBS, and um, y'all never cooked St. Louis before, you know, or not cooked them, you know, yeah, no, no, for the competition. It, that, we cooked those just to eat at the house. Yeah. I mean, that's the only time I had experience with them. Even when you went to restaurants, in the Memphis area, it Nobody was all it was baby back yeah. ribs. That was the but then everywhere else outside, I guess, was influenced kind of by the K Kansas City Barbecue mm -hmm. Society (KCBS), and those were typically spare ribs. Um, and I know some people that will turn in uh, baby backs into KCBS, but nobody turns in spares into MBN. Yeah, today. yeah, you very. <laughs> I mean, man, I couldn't tell you. I know there has been some teams that have. But most of the time, it's it's long back ribs. Is it? Yeah. Do they do well when they turn in spares? Not that I know of. Okay. I mean, just judges <laughs> just aren't used to it. Yeah. But see, one thing. It, uh, Would you be able to tell the difference? I mean, obviously they're longer. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. But but here's the deal. In um, in MBN style cooking, there you have to take the rib a little bit further because the judge is taught that they're supposed to, to check the tenderness by pulling the ribs apart. Well, in KCBS, we're just turning in single bones. There's no pull test. Well, in KCBS, you have to put sections in the box, at least two test, bones, yeah. at least two bones to where the judge can grab them, and they call them Hollywood cut because it's like meat, bone, meat, bone, meat. And it gives them a way to take that rib and to break that in half. Then they've judged the tenderness. Then they taste it and feel the tenderness in the mouthfeel. Well, if you so you got to think you got six you got six judges you have to turn that into so six big double cut portions like that going into go box fills it up. Well, if you tried to do double cut portions of spare ribs like that, there's no way you can mm -hmm. get that in the box. It's just not room. And so I've, a lot of it has to do with that. But then I've never have you ever done a pull test on a spare rib? I never I mean, I've never even tried to. No, like have have a double cut spare rib. I mean it would be huge. Oh, there he is. That's what he says. He says he takes them to the same temp. It just, yeah, it just increases the time. I mean, decrease, you know, spare ribs, the St. Louis cut ribs take a little bit longer to yeah. get there. But as far as internal temp goes, it's still looking for that looking 204 to 208-ish. Yeah. Right in that in range. Yeah. Um, I, I can turn my phone back to silent <laughs> now. So. I remember one time... Um, we were at Memphis in May, and we had some friends that were cooking in the patio porker division, which is only ribs. And they said that they were the only people that turned in spares. 
think uh, they did good, though, that year, didn't they? They did. They actually made finals. And then a judge came over and said that he just got done judging finals in patio porkers. And I said, oh, well, did the team you pick turn in spares or, or baby backs? And he looked at me, and he had no idea what I was talking yeah. about. <laughs> and it made me so mad. I'm like, why are you judging barbecue? You, you don't know another difference. Yeah. I just smiled and walked away, but I'll never yeah. forget that. I remember that. That's been years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's been years ago. Like, it was six or something like that, right? <laughs> it was our first year in that um, yeah. Riverside spot on the corner. Man, oh, that's not wasn't then. That was about oh, nine or ten. Then. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's a long time ago, though. But, so what's your favorite? Personal? Okay. Now, it's kind of like steaks. Do I have a pers- uh, you know, personal favorite? I like them all. I love loinback ribs. I love spare ribs. But if I'm most of the time, if I'm going to eat ribs, I'm going to go with the St. Louis cut spare rib. Just because it's kind of like the ribeye to me. It's got the fat in it. You know, it's marbled up. It's usually juicy. But there's nothing wrong with a good loinback rib either. It's got a, you know, a ton of flavor. Uh, I think there's more bang for your buck meat-wise on spare ribs. Yeah. But I like them. I mean, I, I, I can. The loinback rib is kind of kind of like a fillet or a strip. You know, it's leaner. Still good. Yeah. But it's not a ribeye. <laughs> spare ribs <laughs> is like the ribeye. It might be. I haven't had some baby backs in a very long time. I'm yeah. I've cooked some for too long ago, but I can't, I mean. For us? Yeah, here at the house. I forget where I got them, but I remember cooking them. Um, one thing I have noticed. Usually if I'm is, doing dry ribs. Oh, it was the uh, football party. The oh, fantasy yeah, I didn't football. Need any of those. Yeah, oh, man, they were so good. I did my, the Memphis style dry mm-hmm. rib. And when I'm doing Memphis style, I always do the one bite. Yeah. You didn't try those? No, I didn't. Man, they were good. I was kind of busy. And then I got to drinking. <laughs> um, and I have noticed that. Let me read this. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. This is notes. We got to have notes for this podcast. <laughs> you know, when you cook the baby backs for the MBN, I've noticed a lot of people cut them down even further. Oh, yeah. Well, it's kind of not for the judging side, like for finals, but for the box. And that's all. When when you talk about box cut ribs, they're taking they're taking them down, and I mean they're probably I don't know if I had to guess two and a half maybe two or three quarter inches, yeah, because you're trying to layer rows of them in a box, and so they cut that chine bone off, which is the chine is like the it's the part at the top of the rib where it connects to the backbone. It's, it gets a little wider up there and has kind of a little knuckle area depending on how they're broke off. Sometimes you get little bone fragments in there. Well, what they'll do is they'll have their butcher come in. With, on the bandsaw and kind of cut that off at an angle. So it takes that curve, you know, the loin ribs are curved a lot. That's where it really comes up and wraps. So they have a, a, a more defined curve to the bone. Well, it cuts some of that curve out and it makes them to where they'll lay flat. You can get more in the box and they're not as tall. So, um, and you still have plenty of meat yeah, when so you when do I tell that the, Hollywood cut. Yeah, yeah, so when I tell the butcher that, that I'm doing loin back ribs for a Memphis and May NBN contest, uh, you know, I'll say for the do so many slabs. Usually I do about six slabs for a blind box. You can get away with probably four, but I'd like to have six just for choice. I'll have them box cut, which are a little bit shorter and, you know, they straightens them out. And then I'll have the show ribs that we plan to make finals with, which is usually at least two slabs, but I'd like to have four going into finals too. So you're talking 10 slabs to do an NBN contest, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll leave those regular length. So that judge thinks he's getting his, or he or her is getting a substantial, <laughs> slab of ribs when they bring them out you know this is a you know i can get my hands on i can pull it apart yeah. see how tender it is instead of giving them a little bitty baby slab you know they're t- wayland used to call them the labradoodle cut because <laughs> they were so <laughs> they're little yeah 
Seems, yeah, it seems like people go for a shorter rib in NBN and a longer rib in KCBS. Yeah, and we don't box cut. I don't. I mean, the only thing we take off of a St. Louis cut rib is maybe a little at the top where the cartilage is, mm-hmm. just to straighten them up some. And the tips. But I like yeah. a longer rib because I'm just kind of shingling them in there, but they're laying on a bed of green, so you can kind of press them down. They fit the box good. And Usually you're putting we're putting in between the bones too, so you need yeah. a bigger. A yeah. bigger bone to, to get the meat. Yeah. Right. And usually we're doing, you know, four racks of ribs for a KCBS contest. And then we're putting in the box, you're usually only putting eight to ten bones, like two rows of either four or five, depending on how good of ribs you had that day. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't have a problem at all getting those in the box. I mean, they fit, they fit really well. Yeah. But that's, I mean... If I'm eating ribs, I'm going to get me, man, you got me want some spare ribs now. <laughs> I kind of want some too, but I want. It's breakfast time. I'm thinking about ribs. <laughs> I kind of want, um, like, the salt and pepper that you. Texas style. Oh. Hang on the you drum know what? or the pit barrel or whatever. Some jambo ribs. Stick burner ribs. I had. I, so. I, I, that's going to segue. I yeah, segue yeah. that, didn't I? <laughs> we brought Jolene home. She is in the garage. I haven't put a fire in her yet. She's shining, looking pretty in there. And. Everybody's lined up, ready to burn I've got, I've got people lined up wanting to cook on it. Just wanting to see how that stick, because, you know, this is new to us in this area. Yeah. We don't cook on stick burners much. And That's man, more out Texas, yeah. Oklahoma area. There's, I mean, a lot of those a lot of those top teams in KCBS mm-hmm. is cooking on them and winning. So I'm excited. I hadn't, I'm, hopefully, maybe Sunday I might put a fire in her just to see how she does. I, I, we went over, um, so we went to the SEA. We'll talk about that in a minute. But after um, the SCA contest on Monday, when, when uh, Jamie opened back up, he he lived or his shop's kind of on the south side of, of Dallas. It I wasn't say. far out of our way at no, all. No, we had to go back that way. We just dropped yeah. down south so a little it's bit. Really good. Maybe twenty five minutes from Fort Worth. What it was. Yeah. Wasn't bad at all. And so we met down there. Man, we left the hotel about six thirty or six six thirty. We were down there right at seven. You know, traffic wasn't that bad. And he had her sitting out front, shined <laughs> up. All we had to do is back up. And so Jamie comes out. And he's going over everything with me, you know, telling me, you know, the ins and outs. Uh, how to, you know, he, and he recommended. So where I'm going to start is, he said, six pounds of charcoal to get a base fire going. You set your top, you know, six your six pounds, six pounds, a which briquette. is which is probably about a chimney. Okay. I would say a chimney's worth. Is it always briquette? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just you know, just trying to get a coal base, yeah. And then, so that goes in first, right in the dead center. And then he says you take a couple of these little fire starter logs, the little bit. I mean, they're just you could use wax cubes, whatever mm-hmm. you wanted. Put a couple on each side, get that going, let those coals get getting hot. And then you take uh, three splits. You put one on each side of the fire, the hot coals, and then one kind of diagonal going across. And then you you can uh, shut the vent on the door. The intake vent. Yeah, so and you then, got it wide open. Yeah, and then well, no, it was like he's like you don't want to run the you, the important thing was the way it was positioned in the wind. You always wanted your flue open with the direction of the wind. That way, it draws a it's not pushing down in the pipe, causing it to back blow. It's drawing it across, and that's what's making the air the heat roll through it. So that's where I'm going to start. Um, it was about the four or five o'clock position uh, on the dial. And he said, that'll run 275. It won't take it too long to get up there. But if you want to run hotter, barely move it. Because he said, <laughs> he said as big as that pipe is, that it, I mean, it shoots up before you know it. If you run it wide open, he said it's going to go to 700 degrees. So what would I, that, what's 700 degrees do to that cooker? 
I'm not going to find out. No. I mean, you know, a lot of those guys are running them up hot over five. They're pegging out that dial when they first get up in the morning putting their brisket on because they say it makes it swell up and then they'll adjust it back as soon as they put it on. Mm-hmm. And by the time it settles down and you're putting pork on, you're running, you know, 325, 300. And then by the time pork goes on, it starts talking about ribs. It's dead even 275 for the rest of the cook. And so that's, that's how they're starting them at 5 o'clock and getting everything done. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to be that extreme with it. I do want to do that 275. They're also cutting that meat down to a pretty small portion. Yeah. They're not taking an 18-pound brisket and putting an 18-pound no, brisket most, on there at 5 Most of time, I think those guys are separating out the flat and, you yeah. know, the flat and point. They're cutting their ribs down. Fall down. Yeah. Well, how did Texas start? Texas started coming through. <laughs> Look, but... So that was, I'm excited. You can tell I'm excited. I uh, hope to next week shoot a little. Intro. Yeah. Meet Jolene video. Yeah, meet, yeah introductory <laughs> video. Jolene, the new stick burner jambo pit. Take my man. <laughs> I can have that playing in the background. Usually. Can we do that without copyright infringement? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I can record it up here. <laughs> <laughs> She'll see it. <laughs> Well, that's, but yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm, it's going to be fun cooking so on that Sunday, thing you're going to do your inaugural? Maybe, maybe. Inaugural. I've been like, Mark Williams wants to come over, and then, you know, there's, there's Austin wants to be here, and he's like, man, they're all lining up to see how this thing cooks. So <laughs> that's um, what SCA, I guess we can talk about the World Championship. We went over there. Sure. I didn't do, you know, I didn't do Friday as good morning. as I wanted to. Um, I finished, so they brought they did, they broke us up in flights. When you got there, you pulled a poker chip, and it was, uh, I don't know, I think it was like 189 teams or something. It was a lot. And I pulled green. the green. So they had it broken up into four groups, and you pulled a poker chip. Yeah, was you got green, a colored chip, water, and it had a number on it. And I, So I was green, and I pulled number 48, which was next to Degum last in the line. So I was like, man, I'm, you know, I like it when I get an early number so I can mm-hmm. at least know I can get one good steak. And they laid all the steaks out. and uh, I ain't going to talk bad about them. <laughs> <laughs> but I wasn't real happy with the, the my selections. But, I mean, I got up there, got me a decent Spinala steak, that's, that's and it is it what is. it is. And they had a bunch of other steaks there. You got to get lucky a lot of times, they, you know. Well, we got me, and this is just me talking – they had a lot of steaks there. I saw them on golf carts. They were stacked up. And instead of putting them out after, you know, when it started getting down, they waited. And then by the time, you know, the line got down at the end, they started putting out more good ones. So the people at the front of the line, that was, got they, got, they got two good sets of good ones. Yeah. And we just got the scraps where I was. So, so I didn't have two good steaks. But I ended up finishing 19th in my flight, which you had to be top 10 to move on. Now, it. The other thing was, <laughs> I don't know, get into all that. But anyway, I had, you know, a number, my scores were good. The numbers were high. Uh, if I would have been in any other flight, I, my score would have been in like seven or eight in that flight and I would have moved on. Yeah. With our score. If you went back and looked, I actually finished like 35th or Mark, Mark Williams went back and figured it up. He said, Your score, if they'd have ranked them 1 through 89, I would have been like third, in the 30s. Yeah. yeah, I would have been in the 30s somewhere. And so they I would have made the cut. Move yeah. On. So. so, but neither one of us made it because he was seventh. We, we, all, well, the next crazy thing was, and this is just chance, everybody that was cooking with us, it was Mark Williams, his wife Emily, um, Austin, me, Waylon, uh, Josh Hawkins was 
cook it in that fly. Um, I mean, all of us drew green. Everybody from around here drew green. Jay was the only one that drew a different yeah, color. Yeah, he drew red, he drew I think. Red. Yeah. But we all drew green, so we were all cooking against each other. We were hoping to be split out, so maybe some of us had better shots. But we are, you know. So Mark finished 17th. He was just like two tenths ahead of me in points. So we and were, that was just chance because they had everything, you know. Oh, you, you reached in a bag and drew out a chip. So, yeah. I mean, they were shoveled up, so that was just chance. But anyway, it was all in all, it was a good, great contest. We always have a blast in Fort Worth. Friday night, they had the, um, I guess, the welcome dinner at Billy Bob's. Yeah, Dogs. that was fun. We had a good time there. They have a big thing all set up for, like, you go, and they do the presentations and stuff, and we kind of just we went and listened. out I mean, at the pool tables. And yeah. It was kind of, I mean, it was, it was so big, and they were doing all the stuff, and it's like, you know, it was good. We made our own fun. <laughs> we had, I'm, you know me, I'm going to go, I'm, there's bull riding there, and there's. Oh, yeah, I they mean, had, we went and watched bull riding yeah, Friday night. I mean, there was. We took a picture on the bull again. I took pictures with everybody. <laughs> I don't know how many times I, I went up there and took a picture of people. What, like, in the bull picture? That? No, no, I took a bull picture, yeah. We didn't post that, though. That was... Um, uh, that's yeah, just personal. That was personal. Some people don't know how to act when they get up on this big bull and they want to do stuff they probably shouldn't be. It wasn't me. With me. Yeah, wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> but some people might not want that picture out there. Even everybody at Billy Bob saw it. <laughs> Mark Williams. <laughs> I guess he can get frisky with his wife. I don't know. So um, then, um, so the deal was they had the invitational, the, the the world championship first round on Saturday. Yeah. And if you made it to the second round, you cooked um, on Sunday. You cooked on Sunday. Josh Hawkins um, made, made it, it for uh, um, Ham Hawks. Yeah. Kendall Adair from yeah. Smoked and Spice made it. Kendall actually he finished third, third in the whole thing. In the world, so he, did, yeah. he had an awesome week. He wasn't in the green flight either. Yeah. But he was set Sarah up. Sarah was. Oh, where was she? Was she yeah. on the chair? Yeah. Um, and then, so on Sunday, everybody cooked. Then they had an open on Sunday where anybody could cook. And how many teams were cooking? It was the largest steak cook-off ever. It was way up there, too. Yeah. And then the top 40 went head-to-head. Yeah. For the we, uh, so I had already made my mind up. <laughs> if I didn't make that, I wasn't I wasn't going to fire up just to cook in the open. I was. I guess I was a spoiled sport. No, I wasn't a spoiled sport. I wanted to have some fun in Fort Worth. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. So Sunday we went out there just to check on everything. Everybody got their steaks, and I was like, "All right, we'll see y'all later. We're going to watch football, <laughs> have some beers." <laughs> we went to Hooters, <laughs> stayed all day. They now, they cut us off at Hooters, <laughs> but it wasn't like we were. I think they just have a policy. Yeah, if you like, have four beers, you gotta you gotta take a break or something. Yeah. So and when we watched a football game and I had four she, beers, yeah. no shots, no nothing like that. It was just four beers. And then the little girl come over and said, you know, y'all got to wait an hour or whatever. So I was like, all right, no problem. We'll go somewhere else. I'll, you know, can we come back? You <laughs> She's said like, a sure. timer on your phone. She said, yeah, you come back an hour. So I pushed, I brought my phone up, started a timer. <laughs> we'll be back. Because, I mean, I wanted to watch football. The night game, we started at noon. <laughs> and the night game was the Cowboys and Texans. So that was huge being in Fort Worth. I was like, this place is going to be happening. Everybody's going to be cheering for the, you know, I, get, well, I, get, I figured everybody's cheering for the Cowboys or in Dallas. And. And we went, so we went and walked around the little downtown area and went to found another little bar to jump in and watch some more football. And we just made a day of it. I think I had 14 beers total that day. That was a little too much. Yeah. I was feeling bad, bad, rough the next day. But mm-hmm. I'm still- it happens. They gonna draft beer, you know. <laughs> 14 beers over three football games. That's not, how many, how many beers is that a game? 
Do the math. I can't do the math. Four and then just a little extra. Four and a half, maybe something like yeah. that. It's not much. Yeah, but they're big. They're, you were getting. You weren't getting twelve ounces. <coughs> yeah, sure I was. <laughs> you weren't getting the twelve ounces. You were That's getting one the size uh, I had it thirty-two. No, there's no way that's four. Uh, no, I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't. There's a couple of shots in there too. That wasn't a good dark. It don't matter. Shots can come out when it's dark. Ko was buying some shots. We had, but put it this way, we did Fort you know, Worth. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> and that was my one time. I'm not going to do that again for a long, long, long time because I'm old now and I can't drink beer like that no more. But you learned your what's lesson. that one song? I'm as good once. <laughs> I'm as good once as I'm, I, yeah. I'm as like good that. once as I ever ever was or something like that. I'm good. I'm not once as good as, good as I used to be. Yeah, <laughs> but that I was, was me that day. As I ever was, I did everything except getting a fight. <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> So, um, so we had fun at Fort Worth. We did. We had a blast. That man, I, I love that town. I do too. It is so much. Every time we go, we went. Uh, we went and ate at a good restaurant called Wild Salsa. Man, it was good. It's okay. We went down to had some calf fries. Yeah. Down at Risky's, yeah. and man, it was just good times. Yeah. We didn't make it to Joe T. Garcia's, which kind of makes yeah, me a Mark sad. and all those guys went. They went and cut up there and had margaritas, and let the ladies. Might have had too many, but I wasn't there. That's that easy to do there. They're stout. They're very stout. Uh, if you've never been They're to fine. Joe T. Garcia's in Fort Worth Stockyards, you need to go. It's like this family-style Mexican restaurant. They only have two things on the menu. Enchiladas or fajitas, and it is, and the margaritas are really good. And it seats about, I don't know. 1,800. 10, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say 2,000, something like that. It's huge. Um, so Kendall was second in the world. Um, Johnny Joseph, wasn't he third? He was, no, he was second. Kendall was third. Okay. Johnny Joseph was second. Okay. And, uh, Who was first? Who was the Terry, world champion? Was it Terry uh, Rome? Terry Rome? He's from Texas. Terry. Yeah, congratulations to Terry. I don't, I don't know him, but congratulations and to And I him. have steak teams. Mark so Williams was sixth in the open, cooking on he a was. gorilla pellet grill. Pellet, can you believe that? A daggum pellet grill. <laughs> he got up there with six. Man, Mark is persistent. He's going to win. He's going to be the first man to win on a pellet grill. That's in the SCA. I don't say, I'm not saying I think it's the best idea to get behind. It's, he's standing with it. Hey, he's he's proved, he with has it. proved you can cook competition steaks on a grill they said you couldn't do steaks on. Yeah. And Mark has done that and is doing it consistent. Yeah. There's not very many times he's been out of the top ten. And he's cooked several of them now. But um, so. him and his wife, Emily, the state queen, and yeah. Jamie are all cooking, cooking on, on them. Cooking on them, yeah, yeah. The whole and we're taking them for, uh, to World Foods. They're taking the Grillas to World Foods. I think Grillas going to be there because Shane's competing in the sandwich division, I think he told me. Oh, the sandwich division? Yeah. That's pretty cool. So He wanted to do something out of his elements, yeah. like he said. Something, you know, not barbecue, not steak. Hey, sandwich totally is the way to go. You can make a sandwich and, you know. What would you make? I don't know. Steak sandwich, roast beef sandwich. Steak sandwich. <laughs> steak sandwich. Uh, a gyro? Yeah. Man, that would be good. Anyway. But I'd steaks are easy, too. probably just get like a spider on them. Yeah. <laughs> a soft shell crab. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm going to get one of those here in a few weeks. I mean, I was excited about Fort Worth. I'm ecstatic about going to Gulf Shores here in two, is it three weeks. It's like November. It's the, the second week in November. Yeah. Man, it is going to be so much fun. I'm going, I'm not, seafood, that's all I'm having. I'm not even going to try my steaks. I'm not eating any red meat. No, no pork, no chicken. Or oysters seafood. in season in November? Yeah. That's not a while, right? September, they start. Yeah. Oh, so we'll be. Golden. They yeah. all be good. 
hurricanes didn't start up all the water, so they ought to be clean, maybe. I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> that's exactly. Nice little tip. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited, man. We've got, there's so many good restaurants down there in mm-hmm. Gulf Shores, there Orange is. Beach. Well, we, got, crab soup. we got Cosmos, we got Cobalt, we steamer. got the steamer, we got docks, those old reliable sea and suds. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're, they're good for a fried po' boy sandwich. Fishers. Sea and suds. Fishers, Fishers on the Bay. That's a nice yeah, place. Yeah, there's there's so much so much good food there. Yeah. Then you don't have to eat anything that you normally eat. You can just go eat seafood. The steamer is really awesome. If you, you don't like seafood, eat. I wouldn't even go to that part of the country. Go somewhere else. <coughs> So, um, coming up this weekend, you we're, know what? you're cooking, um, going to cook on your Jambo Sunday? Well, I don't think I'm going to cook anything. Oh, you're just going to fire I'm just going to put a fire. I'm going to say, I got to season it. I got to get all, you know. We're okay, all, so we're going to get a video. Probably oil it up. Of that. season. You know, I ordered some new bar racks for it already. It comes with expanded metal racks. That's the kind, you know, they, they come standard with it, and he, that's all the ones he sells. So there was, I found this, um, man, something smoking barbecue. I can't remember the name of it, but he, um, Heath actually put me on the guy. But um, I've seen him on Facebook and stuff. He does the baskets and accessories for like, he, he's a, turns out he builds custom smokers. But he just started selling these accessories for like stick burners, like jambos and the other kinds of pits. Didn't Travis Clark kind of get him? Probably so. Yeah, I mean, I know I've seen Travis talking about it. You know, talk about his baskets and stuff. But so I called him up. Said, "Man, look, I just got this new jambo. I hear you got these bar grates for it. You fired it up, and you're already buying accessories for it. Oh, I bought me one of them dust mops. Keep it clean, like a car. It'll it'll be here today. As soon as I got home, (laughs) Amazon two days prime. Gosh, you're already buying her gifts. You got to. I need to get some McGuire's wax. I need all kinds of things you got to have to keep 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 her looking good. You know how it is. I keep you looking good. I buy you nice stuff. <laughs> so tell me about these racks now. Are you getting a fire basket too? Got a fire basket. Got some kind of sleep channel. Got bar grates. I think I got everything I need. I'm ready. I just got to learn how to cook on it now. Yeah. So Sunday we might shoot part. a little video. Yeah, firing we're, it up, yeah, firing it up. Seasoning it. Well, I want to do kind of a walk around, see yeah. what it's like, um, put a fire in it, you know, rub it down with some oil, let it get good and hot, season it up, get yeah. some flavor going in it, smell some smoke. Do you have some splits? Yeah. I got some, uh, yeah, my buddy Jimmy Farrell, Grillwood. It's not Grillwood hey, What did he change his name to? <sighs> barbecue barbecue Smokerwood? Something like that, yeah. I think it's Barbecue Smokerwood. Uh, anyway, he's a tree. He's arborist. a local tree arborist, yeah. and he, you know, trying to find something to do with some of the trees he cuts. So he dries the wood out, and now he sells it for barbecue wood. And he, it's good stuff. He gave me some. Uh, I told him I was getting this jambo back in February. He says you need some splits. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. So he gave me a box of them, and they ought to be good in season now. They're hickory splits. Um, I can't wait. I'm excited. Do, does everybody use seasoned wood? Does anybody use a green wood? No, you're not using. No, you're not using green. It won't. You know, it's not going. It's not going to combust. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it would eventually, but no, you're using. It's you need, gonna smolder. More it's about that. BTUs. That's why your your sticks are your fire. The coals is just to get a, a bed going, and then the sticks is the heat. That's what's making the BTU. So and that's it's all you up. add from that point. Yeah, that's it. You don't. It's, you know, you don't put any green. There's no green wood. There's no other wood chunks. It's just these. About I think it's about eleven so inch. So when the coals die off, your your wood is just smaldering. They're never or, dying or, off. It's just like keeping a fireplace going in your 
in your house, you know, just, gotcha, just keeping gotcha, it going. Gotcha. Well, how do you clean that out once you're done? <laughs> just rake it out. Just Shut rake it down. Let it burn do, out. Do you have to uh, clean it every cook? I imagine so. Yeah, I, yeah start with, yeah. I, I will. Yeah. Drain the grease, spray it out, you know, whole nine yards every mm-hmm. cook. Um, Take so, care of it. Yeah. Well, you need to. <laughs> you need to. You should. Everybody yeah, should be doing that we, with all the pits. I don't um, always do it, but I will with this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, everybody's asking for a, you know, smoker cleaning, cleaning your smoker, cleaning your grill and keeping it, you know, nice and clean video. I kind of did one on Memphis Grill one time. It's yeah. on the It's on the website under Pellet Grills under Memphis Grill. But just a gen- general. General. That's, maybe that's something to do. Show, uh. You know, always remove your ash. Things like that. Yeah, it's universal yeah, yeah, yeah. to every grill. I need I need to do some of mine right now. Yeah, so. that might be. Yeah, we might have to do that next week. <laughs> Maybe we'll get ahead on some videos. What um, I've got I've got a thing we're doing uh, a thermal work. Last year we did one around this time a thermal works promotion thing. I don't know if that's this coming week or next week. Well, anyway, it's coming. You have up. breakfast on the schedule. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been this yeah. Week. I've been wanting to do some more breakfast on a grill, so yeah. I, I'm, I've got to do something. I, what I really want to do is like a breakfast around. sandwich. Um, I was gonna, you know, I was gonna do some some ham, some bacon, make a, or sausage or something like that. Make a really good grill smoker. breakfast style sandwich that you could do on the grill. Maybe bagel, toast bagel. Yeah. Um, you know what would be cool if you did some recipes on like one of those camp grills, where it's just a metal box. Oh, where really? you put your charcoal and then a grate. You know what <laughs> I mean? What you, oh, oh, you mean like at a campsite? Yeah. Those things? yeah. A campsite grill. Yeah, I've cooked on those before. Mostly it's hot dogs or hamburgers. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to get it clean. What I don't like about those is they're always full of thick bird poop. That's true. You, you know, when you go camping or you, you see those grills, I guess it's just a perfect little roosting spot. But birds love them. That's like bird toilet. And, oh, okay. Let's not do that. But yeah, that's coming up. Um, I've got, I, I have, in the freezer, I had a buddy bring me some elk steak. And I have, I've been, you know, I've been watching Joe Rogan on, you know, I keep up with him. He's always going elk hunting or, you know, cooking elk, talking about how good elk is. And so, um, my buddy Charles said, man, you know, I got some elk steaks in the freezer. You want some? I was like, and yes, I do, because I want to try some elk. I hear how good it is and how good it is for you. So I was thinking about doing it on that Gabby's Grill, a little Santa Maria attachment for the, the Weber over some good, you know, some lump coal. I don't know if I have any B&B lump. I know I think I have some Royal Oak lump out there. But I've got some lump coals. I'm going to have to try to go find some. But anyway, I'm doing some elk, seasoning it with some, you know, just keep it kind of simple. And then get it on that Gabby's Grill and cook it over fire. And let's see what elk tastes like. Okay. I hear it's better than... Uh, it's the best venison you can eat. Better than the white-tailed deer we're used to eating all the time. So I'm excited. I, I really want to try it. So you just have steaks? I don't even know what it just That's says. What I was gonna ask he just said elk steak. It's no bone in there. It's just like a, a steak. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just steak. How marbled is it? It's not. Is it real red? Yeah. Well, it's froze, but it's yeah. bright. It looks bright red to me. Like a deep, deep. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what deer meat kind of looks like. Yeah. It looks like it that. Looks like There's that, not like much the intermuscular fat. So what I'm thinking, extremely rare. Let's taste the elk. Let's taste the meat. See if we can, you know, see if it's all it's cracked up to be. Okay. 
Sounds you could good. Do one really rare and one, um, you know, a medium. I'm not. No, I'm not rare. cooking venison medium. Medium rare. If I do, it's going to be ground and hamburger. I mean, you know what he <laughs> gave me? He gave me uh, two or three pounds of ground elk too. Really? So I need to do some elk burgers, spaghetti or chili or something. Yeah, yeah elk burger might be good. If I could take it. <laughs> That'll allow you to taste I've, the I've meat better much. than a chili. I've got or... some wagyu fat in there. I could grind it Ooh. and then mix it with all that elk meat out and mix it with it. So to add some fat to it and then have some elk wagyu slash elk burger. That's crazy. I bet you that would be really good. That's a whole that's a whole new level. A whole new level of delicious. <laughs> so you're, you're losing all the benefits of the healthy eating of the elk and all this fat to it. Yeah, but wagyu fat, I guess. I We're just eating elk because it tastes good, not because it's healthy. <laughs> I would say wagyu fat is a high quality fat. Yeah, it's still an artery clogging. Whatever. Fat though. Carbs and sugar, what get you? Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. So that's what's coming up. Well, what else do we have uh, on the list today? You got we anything have else? knocked everything off my list. I think that's a... Sounds like we've had a pretty good adventurous week. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow... Oh, it was a short week. We didn't get back till Monday night. Yeah. We were dead tired. Monday night. We still, I still had to get my sleep right. Yeah. We woke up Tuesday and Heath was here bright and early. We shot all day and it took me... Because there was so many different cam camera angles... And two different sets of audio, and it was just a lot going on with that video. It took me a day and a half to edit. Yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah. What did I do yesterday? <laughs> oh, I had an eye doctor one. <laughs> That's my big day. <laughs> you wrote a, you wrote the content. Yeah, I did write the write the blog post, and I seem like I've been busy all week. I hadn't. Been. I feel like, and you know, we've just had. Michael's had a lot by. of stuff going on. You know. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, had we, had, oh, we had a project. That's what it was. We so. had a reading fair project day. We had play practice. We had the... It's been a crazy week. Yeah. Anyway, we're take, we took off this weekend. Yes. Uh, we're going to go check out the new sports book down at the <laughs> casinos tomorrow. Spend the night. We're going to go watch some college football. And anybody's got any hot tips, shoot them on my Facebook because we're going <laughs> to... We're going to check out the sports book. We might put yeah, a wager of three down. They opened it. I'm not going to get crazy with it. I need mm -hmm. to go to the bank, though. I need to go get me a little bit of pocket cash. I'm not and taking any credit it. cards. A couple hundred bucks, something like that. Something real, you know, feasible. And then go you down know, there and have a good time. Gambling's never been something that's really, you know, been all that exciting to me. Like, I love playing, like, poker. Everybody's not put 40 bucks in, you know, and you play till yeah. somebody wins. I enjoy that. But if I sit down at a blackjack table and I lose 40 bucks, I'm like... It happens so fast. I That's know, the whole I'm thing. Like, you need a thousand dollars just to sit down. I love shooting dice, but I'm not. I mean, I it, get confused and overwhelmed. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. I've never enjoyed <laughs> You know, I worked when Maybe I used to work. Like sports I used to work at uh, casinos, and they always did a, a talk show back then. It was the Rudy Schaefer, and he would come in and he would do a sports talk show because uh, it would be about gambling. But they always did uh, talked about football and stuff like that because mm -hmm. they used to have football pickums. Um, everybody, that was one of their gimmicks to get you to come to the casino. You know, you weekly pick them. If you got them all right, you got like ten grand or something like crazy. They don't consider that. Nobody ever got them all right. Or sports betting? No, it wasn't betting at the time. It was just you know, just there wasn't no money. It was just oh, a free like like, a promotion type yeah. deal. Yeah. And everybody would go down there and you know put in their picks or whatever. And you might win a TV or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They give out different prizes, but I don't think anybody ever got them all right because it's against the spread. But now they have full-blown Vegas-style sports books in Mississippi. And this is our first chance, first weekend that we've actually had a chance to go check them out. So I'm going to be the football fan I am. We're going to watch football all day. Hopefully uh, find a 
you know, I'm expecting this to be like a lounge, a place with a bunch of TVs. I may be sorely mistaken. I don't know. It may just be a counter and they, you can bet. If so, I'm not hanging out there. I'll come back to my house and watch TV. But I'm hoping it's a festive atmosphere. You know, we got a few friends supposed to meet us there. So we're going to make the best of it. Yeah. There might be a good band playing. I don't know. Not drink too much. No, no, no. We're gonna. I, I want to go eat at one of the steakhouses. Okay. So we'll probably go get us a steak or some seafood or something in Tunica. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. And the great thing, it's only You like, do spoil me. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> Well, all right. Well, hey, we appreciate everybody listening today. Before we check out, Shell, tell them about the app, where to find me, all my info. Uh, we do have a How to Barbecue Right app. It's available on iTunes and Google Play. Um, so get it. It's just an easy way to search all Malcolm's recipes. Um, if you want to connect with Malcolm, it's How to Barbecue Right at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and YouTube. And if you'd like to connect with me, it's Miss Southern Shell, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can delete the Google Plus one because they shut that down. This yeah. Week. <laughs> I guess I got to take that all off the website. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, we appreciate y'all tuning in today and see y'all next week.